right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Get out the mayonnaise, baby. Adam said he's going to do shots of mayonnaise throughout the show today. I said that? In celebration of Zeke Mayo, the former Lawrence High star guard who helped lead them to the state semifinals last year, who... Um, helped overcome Blue Valley Northwest with Christian Brown's brother in the state uh, quarterfinal round a season ago. He's a freshman at South Dakota State now, a starter. South Dakota State just finished off last night, undefeated regular and postseason in the Summit League. Absolutely incredible. They're the first team to go undefeated in the regular season in the Summit League, and then they win the tournament. And Zeke Mayo, a starter as just a freshman, he is darn close to a 50-40-90 season, which is unbelievable in general yeah that's the best like that's that's the the i'm trying to think of a of a comparison in another sport that's the best of the like best. that's what kevin durant yeah aspires yeah, yeah. to do he doesn't even do it every year that's like like steph curry or i think chris middleton has done it kind of weirdly enough but like for those who don't know that's 50 percent shooting overall 40 mm-hmm. percent shooting from three 90 shooting from the free throw yeah line. maximum efficiency he he finished the regular season 47 percent from the field 42 percent from three 93 percent from the free throw line how um, close was he to to 50 47.2 okay so, so he that's was the furthest one but away. yeah but still that's still just still, incredible for a freshman too that's and, amazing and i i was honestly a little audited out watching this kid play he he's the best high school basketball player i've ever seen live now you know, I, I haven't seen uh, a wide array of guys who it's like, oh, this was Kobe Bryant. But he was unbelievable. I was almost surprised that he didn't get, like, a, a Power 5 offer. But 6'3 guard who can shoot that way. Now, honestly, this is probably a better fit for him than some Power 5s, though, because you could say, well, you got to come in. You got to start right away. You're on a team that is now going to go to the NCAA tournament. They're projected to be around that, like, 12 or 13 line, I could have sworn. Oh, you beat me to it. I'm, I'm looking through... Uh... I'm looking through uh, Dave Almond's seed list yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, tell me if, South if you Dakota can find State, what they're at um, for Brackettville. He's got them at 50, which would be like a probably a 13, a 13 seed, I think. So yeah, if, it, if they're 13 seed, I already said this last night. Like I'm picking them in their first round game. I don't care who they're playing. Um, yeah, Dave Almond has them as the second 13 seed. Yeah, so good for them, man. Good for him. Awesome kid to cover. Awesome kid to watch. And. You want to get um, into the I, – I have no knowledge that this would happen, but hypothetically, there is very much a world out there where, like, Zeke Mayo goes from that unbelievable efficiency season to next season at South Dakota State. He puts up, like, 18-5. and five. He's an all-league player, and then a year after, transfer portal Kansas, real, come back home. Well, I, you beat me. You, you took the words right yeah. out of my mouth. But real quick on that topic, I just want to – it looks like Dave Allman, who – by the way, uh, Dave Allman is, is – Brackettville, uh, we've had him on a few times, and the reason we referenced him is because he is consistently one of the highest rated in terms of uh, accuracy, highest rated bracketologists out there. Uh, he must have updated his actual bracketology more recently than his seed list because he now has South Dakota State um, as a 12, and he has their 5 as Houston. 
So hmm. there you go. I mean, it, I'm definitely taking South Dakota State I mean, that's, then. It's a scary 12 5 is always a terrifying yeah, matchup. And so. No, did you know South Dakota yeah, no, State? Yeah, no, that's the thing. If you're, if you're disappointed, like if you're a South Dakota State fan, it's got to feel kind of crummy because I heard somebody talking, uh, and this was in terms of college football. Like, you're never going to have a first-team All-American come from Southern Miss, ever. Because it's now, with the way the transfer portal is, and they, they just pulled out Southern Miss as a random school of, of that caliber. But their overall point was, as soon as a player gets to that level, a, a bigger school is going to swoop them up. with. And look, I'm fine. Coaches are allowed to leave a school and go to another school with no penalty. I'm fine with the rule. It is just an unfortunate reality. And if you're a South Dakota State fan... That has to be in the back of your mind. Yeah, right? well, they have the conference player of the year, Baylor Shireman. He's a sophomore. Zeke May is a friend. Like, what happens if, if those guys... Now, Mike Dom stayed all those years, but he wasn't around for this. But South Dakota State, number one in the country in three-point percentage, number one in the country in effective field goal percentage, 11th in two-point. Watch for them on your bracket. Fortunately for KU, they won't have to play them until... If, I mean, hypothetically, if they're a one seed, wouldn't have to play them until the Sweet 16. And at that yeah. point, you're just like, okay, even though we think you're a good team or underseeded or a good... Cinderella team. If you get them in the Sweet Sixteen, you're happy about it. Um, you just worry that you know Zeke Mayo goes. Yeah, right. Gets pissed that he didn't. Now. Yeah, didn't gets pissed that he didn't get uh, uh, recruited by Kansas and goes nuts. So but that's you know that's well down the line. We have plenty more to talk about. The Big Twelve tournament kicks off tonight in Kansas City. It's just the one playing game. Oklahoma State obviously not eligible for the postseason, so they get booted, and that takes away one postseason game. So it's just the eight nine matchup, and that is between Kansas State and West Virginia. Winner of that will take on Kansas. Um, we're not going to really have a show tomorrow, at least a show beforehand. Uh, the game itself is at 2 o'clock, pregame 1230 here on KLWN. So the game itself won't end until 4, 4.15, something like that. Then there'll be, whatever, hour and a half postgame. I don't even know if we'll end up having a show. If we do, it'll be very short, and I'll just have like quick postgame reactions to the game. It won't be anything crazy. But we don't have a game uh, a show before the game airs tomorrow so I, I guess do we just get you prepared for both teams I mean we've seen both of them twice so it's it's not like this is getting previewed for the first time of the season where you don't know a lot about the team um when you look at both of these teams kind of got both it went kind of how you expected you did really well against them at home K-State gave you more of a scare in Manhattan than West Virginia gave you in Morgantown however West Virginia was after after a good start for Kansas um West Virginia got back to within one in the second half, so they gave you a scare in Morgantown, just not as much of a scare as you got in Manhattan. Yeah, and so should we start there? Should we start with the idea of, like, who would you – I don't know. We'll get into that um, in our daily poll. But I, I think that, you know, either one of these teams um, could beat you on any given night. I think we've seen that over the course of, of Big 12 play. I think with Kansas State, it maybe scares you a little bit more because of of the guard play. But neither team are like West Virginia has fallen off. West Virginia, the last time KU played them in Morgantown, I remember them having a top thirty defense on on Ken Palm, and the offense was kind of lagging behind. The offense is still lagging behind. They're eighty fourth in the country, but they are now sixty third in defense. Kansas State, meanwhile, is even on both ends. You're, I'll say this: I don't know what their Ken Palm numbers have done, but you actually got two teams playing tonight who have both fallen off. Yeah, K State didn't they finish the season zero for five, zero and five, or maybe one and four? But either way, K State was was approaching. I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, they lost five in a row. I mean, they they were kind of in some of the bracketologies. They were kind of hanging around that that first four outline, 
and and looking at a point where in their last six games you could make an argument that if they could pull off four and two and one of those wins becoming against a team like Texas Tech, uh, Texas Tech or uh, Kansas, and you know uh, go get the winning record down the stretch and have one of them be a signature win then you're looking at a potential tournament team, and they yeah. just fell off the map. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they were in a weaker tournament or a weaker uh, conference, they, they might just have the better record. And Like, if they're in the ACC, I don't know. Would it be crazy if they're, like, third best in the ACC or something? I don't. Um, both these teams, though, in conference-only games, these are the worst two defenses in the league. And I think that has to make you feel good about tomorrow, whoever Kansas does play. Um, we know KU can be an offensive team, but they've been in a little bit of a rut. And beyond... Beyond just the can they win the game or will they win the game, I think there is a little bit there of this week is the opportunity for KU's offense to get back the momentum, get back on a roll, specifically for guys like Ochai Baji, right, to, to start shooting well again. And so to play one of the two worst teams in the Big 12 in the quarterfinal round, that that has to, to be a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to get it. And it's a good measuring stick. I mean, usually the, I would say a good measuring stick is against a great team because you get to measure where you are. But I think in this sense, it's a good measuring stick in the sense that if they struggle offensively against either of these teams tomorrow, the worries continue, mm -hmm. um, especially like a player like Ochai Abaji. Um, I'll say this. This is a not quite a quantifiable thing, but I don't think the environment's going to be particularly good tomorrow compared to previous Big 12 t uh, tournament years because the, the – now maybe it will because this is the first – "Quote unquote normal Big Twelve tournament that Kansas City has seen since what 2019. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe that'll get excited. But with the weather, um, I think it maybe if Kansas advances, I think it'll be a pretty fun atmosphere beginning Friday night with the semis and into if if they make it into the championship round, um, those could be a lot of fun. But with the with the snow, um, I just don't know what the atmosphere is going to be like tomorrow. Which again, I, I've griped about this all week." I just I used to that Big Twelve tournament atmosphere used to be so much fun, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe fans will show out in droves and it'll be a blast. And I hope I hope they, it is. Um, but I do wonder if if it's kind of a stale atmosphere. What's that going to be like for either team? Really, you know, I I I don't know. I yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, especially because usually like Iowa State fans obviously fill it up, and then there's a lot of KU fans. Yep. Um, K-State fans, when they're good, K-State fans show out. Um, I don't expect a plethora of them this this week. Um, but they, they show out when they uh, – but not even when they're like – not even in the years where they were co-champions, but, I mean, when K-State was a definite NCAA tournament team and they were finishing somewhere like fourth to sixth in the, ter in the conference, their fans still showed out really well in Kansas City. Uh, this is just – they're so bad this year. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that is interesting. I mean, that's probably a good thing that Iowa State's not in the 8-9 matchup just because you don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, they bring they bring it. Yeah, they do. Um, I, be, I, 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 I would not know. be surprised I, if Texas Tech loses to Iowa State. I think you're probably a, um, would, yeah, no, that wouldn't be at the shock of the century at all. I mean, I feel like um, this is very much a collision course of Kansas-Baylor, part three. You even though even the scare that Texas and TCU, I mean T Texas won once mm -hmm. and TCU gave you a scare twice. Well, no, TCU beat both teams. You're one and one yeah. against both teams, and your win against them is isn't particularly dominant. Well, you know what it is to me because I I do agree with that, and and we have recent memory of that happening. I almost view it as like okay, 
If you told me Kansas and TCU or Kansas and Texas, pick whichever one, they're going to play each other 10 times, right? How many of those do you think Kansas is winning? Six to seven. Okay. Let's go with let's go with seven as the number. Okay. Kansas has, uh, among those seven, there are going to be a couple of those games where Kansas just plays well, right? That's true. Kansas has not played well in any of those four games. None of them you could against ver- those teams. I mean, you could very well have a night where, you know, it, it was just basically just Dave on mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, they shot thirty-one percent. Yeah. Team. What if what if you have a day where it's it's Dave and you know like let's say Ramey is still holding down Ochai, mm-hmm. but this time Dave shows out and this time so does Jalen. Yeah. So well, does Christian. I think it's especially so if they play Texas. Like you could argue to me. I think they're going to be angry. I, yeah, I think more so with the TCU game. I could be argued that it's just a bad matchup for KU and that they are a team that could give you troubles. With Texas, I do view it as. Like, Texas, the four games they played against Tech and Baylor, they lost all four by an average of 11 points. Uh, KU should have won in Austin. They blew that game. But they also played poorly in the first half. In the game against Texas this go-around, they were up six with six minutes left, and then it got close, went to overtime. Yeah. And also, they, again, didn't play very well. I think if Kansas just plays like a B-plus game, I think they've played like C games. They're two games against Texas. They just play like a B-plus game. I don't think they have an issue with Texas. So moving along, because we're kind of, in case you haven't noticed, we're kind of cramming as much mm-hmm. Big Twelve tournament yeah. talk as we can into this in this today because we don't have a show tomorrow, mm-hmm. or if we do, it'll just basically be uh, an extension of the post game uh, from Kansas versus whomever they wind up playing tomorrow. Um, do you think getting to Saturday is enough to get a one seed, or do you think they have to win Saturday? I think they probably have to win Saturday. The one caveat I would give is I, I think the biggest teams in competition right now, Gonzaga just won the West Coast. They're, They're a one seed in. for sure, right? I think Arizona will be a one seed no matter what. I think Arizona will be a one seed no matter what, and then I would add to the fact that they could very well dominate their conference tournament in the same manner that Gonzaga just dominated theirs. Even though, I mean, yes. Gonzaga only had to play two games in their conference tournament because of the way that bracket works. But I, I think Arizona is just so head and shoulders above the rest of the Pac-12. Yes, I think they're in anyway as a one seed, but on top of that, I think they're just going to blow through and win every game in that tournament by 10 points. So that's basically two guaranteed one seeds. That leaves two spots. I think you got four teams going for those two spots. I agree. Maybe. I, I think after 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 um, the Duke-Carolina, I don't I, think Duke I, has a chance. I, yes, exactly. ACC's that's exactly too what I was going to say. Yeah, I think that's the cutoff for me. There's six teams for four spots, but really with the two locks, it's four teams for two spots. So the caveat here is if Auburn and Kentucky, if one of those two win the SEC title, I think they're probably going to get a one seed. Yes. Um. So in that case, Kansas does need to beat Baylor because then Kansas would be, I think, getting it over Baylor. I mean, I could see a situation unless two teams from the same conference of those four lose before their t- tournament championship. I think it's going to be these one. The one seed will come down to the winner of the mm-hmm. SEC tournament and the winner of the Big Twelve tournament. Here's a scenario: unless though. Kansas and Baylor both fall short of of their conference final, or Kentucky and Auburn both fall short of theirs. Yes, I think if if like let's say one of Auburn Kentucky loses in the quarterfinals, the other one loses in the semis, so they never even play, they never even make the the championship game. Let's say Baylor gets upset by Oklahoma in the first game. Kansas makes the Big Twelve championship but they lose to Texas Tech, who's not in competition for the one seed. I still think Kansas would have a shot there. I think that gets Kansas That's a in. lot of asks, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, but, but again, we don't have to have that many asks. Mm-hmm. Just win. Go win three games. Exactly. Um, and look, again, the two versus the one, 
in the long haul, it makes a huge difference. Um, in terms of your first weekend, it doesn't make a monster difference. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think it does. Well, I mean, again, it's just I, I need to find the actual numbers to this because I keep referencing it. Once um, you get to the second weekend, it makes a huge difference. I think the average. I feel like the average amount of tournament victories for a one seed is like three point six or three point eight wins per tournament. I think, which is just short of a final four every, every time. Um, but I could be wrong. I, but I, I think the average win total for a one seed average is like 3.6 or 3.8 wins a tournament. And then the two seed, it gets closer to three. Okay, so I've got the numbers. I'm trying to see when this was last updated, though. Hmm. I do not know. But these are the numbers at some point in time. Win? Who knows? Um, one seeds were advancing to the second round at over a 99% clip. Two seeds, 94%. So it's, you know, hold on real quick. Hmm? It had to have been sometime after 2018. Yes. Because it was 100% loss. before 2018. Yeah. Um, so again, but that's a 5% difference between being a one seed or a two seed. One seeds make the Sweet 16 86% of the time. That actually seems higher than I expected I wouldn't it to be. I would have expected that. Two seeds, 64%. So that's a big so drop that, off, No, right? that's huge. I didn't expect that. I did not. I, that's lower than I thought the two seed would be, and it's higher than I thought the... I just kind of figured, you know, you're playing, like, I guess, yeah, the the, the seven seed's going to be better than the eight or the nine, but you're also having a lot of situations when you're the two, you're playing the ten, which is a high, which is a worse seed mm -hmm. than the eight and nine. I don't know. Okay, this is this is headed into the 2021 season. This is from Boyd's Bets. So this was headed into last tournament. So, again, could change a little bit based on last tournament, but if this is overall a, a giant body of work, um, that's, you know, not really going to totally affect things because this is, what, talking 35 years back to when the tournament expanded to 64, something like that. Um, okay, making it to the Elite Eight, one seeds, about under 70% of the time. Two seeds, 46%. So, again, Less than drop half, off. yeah. Final four, that, one seeds. The, the big one for me when you're the two versus the one is that if you're the two and you want to go to a final four, you're probably going to have to go, if things hold to chalk, which they rarely do, but if they do, you're going to have to go through the three and the one. Yeah. It's like we go back to 2018, Kansas had Duke and and what uh, Michigan State as their two and their three, but it was a big deal that Kansas was the one because that means they only had to deal with one of those teams, not both. Yeah, and then uh, final four forty percent versus twenty one percent for ones or two seeds. Um, so it it's a pretty big drop off. Um, What'd you say? Forty four percent final four for one seeds. Yeah, forty four percent. Wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge, I mean, no, so getting a one seed's a really damn big deal. Yeah, it is. Again, yeah. I, I do wonder if it's chicken or egg. Is it because you're the one seed or is it just because you're really good, which makes you a one seed? But I, 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 look, I want the one seed. I really want the one seed. Yeah. I, I just, I look at Roy Williams was kind of an aberration. He he made, he had a one seed plenty of years, but he only made a final four as a one seed I'm talking in, at Kansas. He he made a Final Four as a one seed a lot at North Carolina, but at Kansas, his four Final Fours only came with one one seed. He was a two twice, and he was a three once, and he was a one seed in 02. Bill Self, three Final Fours, once as a two seed, twice as a one seed. So it's not nothing. No, it is not. So, yeah, you'd rather be a one seed. Duh. All right, uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Uh, Jesse Newell is going to join the show in about 20 minutes from right now. We've also got Greg Gurley at the top of the 5 o'clock hour and 
Our KU Club interviews presented by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence continues on at about 425 with KU Hockey. You didn't wear your jersey for the celebration. No, I, it hasn't come in yet, um, but it will eventually. And those jerseys, awesome. Okay, uh, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Join now on a Wednesday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. So, Jesse, you just wrote a really good piece about David McCormick and being the uh, the money ball player of KU. With the importance of Dave to KU, as, as we've kind of talked about on this show really all season long, do you think there's any credence, and I should probably back this up with the caveat that, you know, I'm not expecting this to happen because Bill Self, once you get to a place, you are going to go all out to try to win when you're there. But do you think there's any credence to maybe resting Dave's foot this week and playing some of the young guys? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of been on this bandwagon for a long time, uh, especially in other years where Kansas sort of had everything locked up already. Uh, you think back to 2020, I know the NCAA did, tournament didn't happen that year, but that year I really thought that KU should have done a lot of wrestling with players because they had already basically sealed up the number one seed. And uh, if you remember down the stretch, then Yudoka Azabuki, Marcus Garrett, Devon Dawson, all of them were kind of dealing with some ailments. So I thought at the time, hey, that'd be a really good time to rest those guys get ready for the most important games and go win yourself a national championship. Uh, this is a little bit different because Kansas is still sort of battling for seed lines and that potentially could be impactful. If, you know, K, for example, would get the two seed in Gonzaga's bracket, that'd be a, a much worse draw than winning the big 12 tournament and getting that last uh, number one seed. You know, th- those two would be a, a pretty big difference, but no, I, I, I still think, and, and you probably heard Bill Self speak to this more, on Tuesday than he ever has before, just to say, hey, they're going to really monitor this thing with Dave and see how he does after the first game on Thursday and see if they need to rest him some or rest him the whole game for Friday just to make sure that they don't lose a key piece for the NCAA tournament. So I think that's wise. I think that's what they should do. And as we know, I mean, KU has some other good players out there, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get Zach Clements, KJ Adams, those sorts of guys some more minutes to figure out exactly what you have before the NCAA tournament shows up. So I think it would make a lot of sense for Kansas. Uh, not a perfect scenario this year, like maybe some years past to do it, but especially in Dave's case, um, he's so important to the Jayhawks. I think you want him full strength for the most important games next week. Yeah, I, it's just it's such a so weird thing because I, I'm not expecting, like Bill Self is very much of the mindset, hey, if we're there, we're, we're playing, you know, but – I, I wonder if that would help him, but also then do you worry about the rust at all? I don't know. I think it's a, a very interesting conversation. Uh, nonetheless, KU had their two worst and three of their eight worst two-point shooting games last week, despite Dave going off against Texas. The Texas game was their worst of the season. Uh, the TCU game in Fort Worth was their other worst. How do you explain that, and is that concerning that it happened that late in the season that many games in a row? Um. I think it's a concern. You know, I I wrote early in the year that really this team was succeeding because of two-pointers and doing it in a different way than Bill Self teams normally do. Normally it's dumping down the post and have a guy go make a move or score with no defense behind him. And this year it's been different. It's been those wings getting to the rim, scoring, uh, transition, all those sorts of things. I think part of that you have to look at sort of how the schedule fell 
And, uh, you know, you brought the stats. So I don't know the exact number which games that they were, but the fact that KU faced TCU, TCU, Texas to round out the final three games, I think would have something to do with that because TCU and Texas, TCU has some of the best shot blocking uh, of any Big 12 team out there and some rim protection athleticism that we saw in both of those games. And then uh, Texas, you know, they don't have as much shot blocking, but they still sort of crowd things up inside and have been able to lower teams' shooting percentage in that particular way. So a little bit of a concern. And you look at a guy like Ochai Abaji especially, who, yeah, his last three games were not very good at all. <laughs> they just weren't from an efficiency standpoint. It seemed like he was pressing a little bit too. So I would say that there should be a little bit of worry there. But overall, you know, you look at the course of the season, and KU's been pretty good in that regard for most of the year. So you would expect a bounce back in the Big 12 tournament. You'd expect a bounce back in the NCAA tournament. But definitely something to keep an eye on here. Uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks, because that's what Katie's really relied on offensively to keep it going throughout the course of the entire season, and it has not been there for them as much here in the last couple of games. Yeah, I guess uh, an, an early rendition of Kiss, Mary Kill here with matchups uh, uh, that KU could face in the NCAA tournament. Team with good rebounding, an athletic team, or um, a team that slows down the tempo a lot. Like, What, what would you do with those three? Uh, so, so rebounding, tempo, and what was the third one? Rebounding, tempo, uh, athletic, and athletic. Um, gosh, I, you know, this is so weird for me to say. I've gone so back and forth on this because you hear coaches and analysts talk about it all the time, and you just hear, well, it's a bad matchup problem or whatever. But then you look at the the spread, and it's like the same as you'd expect, whether it was a good matchup or a bad matchup for for Kansas or whatever other teams out there. So I, I think I've kind of swung back to, like, I, I'm not as much of a bad matchup person as maybe I was in the past. And sometimes I think when those things come forward, it's kind of more of a small sample size sort of thing. Like Kentucky, KU was a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Kentucky, and they got their doors blown off. And then, yeah, of course, the, the narrative then is like, hey, you can't deal with athleticism. And for that one game, KU couldn't. But, you know, they, they've played okay against teams with athleticism, including – Last year, they weren't as as athletic as Kentucky and were stable, still able to beat them in the Champions Classic. But out of those games, out of those categories, I mean, I I think uh, the most concerning would probably still be athleticism. I, you know, Bill Self brings it up. He talks about it being a bad matchup for his team. Maybe some of that leaks over, too. Just your coach is talking about that and your team not having that, that potentially that's in the back of your mind. Um, probably second most would be uh, rebounding just because, this Kansas team, we know they're dangerous in transition. We know that uh, once they get the rebound, they're so dangerous pushing it. But that's kind of been the concern defensively a lot of times is just getting that rebound. And if they can't get it, then it hurts their defense. But not only hurts their defense, it hurts their offense because they can't get out on fast breaks. As far as slowing down the tempo, I mean, that's always something that you look for for potential upsets this time of year uh, in March Madness, trying to limit possessions against a team that is better than you. But to be completely honest, I don't think Kansas should worry too much about that because every team in the Big 12 slows it down, basically. I think eight of the 12 teams in, or eight of the 10 teams in there all played at a below average pace when it came to NCAA standards. So KU's used to that, and they've had a 14-4 record over the course of the Big 12 regular season with that. So I think they're sort of accustomed to that type of play and should be pretty used to it by this point in the season. We're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. Big 12 tournament starts tonight, the uh, first round of things before the quarterfinal round tomorrow. Uh, do you think there is one matchup that 
would be better for KU than the other between either playing West Virginia or Kansas State? Should they be rooting for one team over the other? Uh, I think it's pretty close. Um, you know, some numbers would tell you K-State. Some numbers would tell you West Virginia. I think that's pretty much a coin flip game tonight when it comes to the Vegas spread. So, you know, probably not. Uh, the Jayhawks, you know, it's, it's, it's like I said with the one-game samples. You know, you could look at the K-State game at K-State and say, well, Nigel Pack and Marquise Noel, they could give KU some major problems um, with their shooting and penetrating ability. And then you look at the game now, field out and say, well, KU handled them there. And uh, the game at uh, T-Mobile Center should have lots of KU fans. So potentially they could repeat that sort of thing. So I, I, I don't think so. I think those two teams are probably close enough that, uh, you know, you're kind of tomato, tomato either way. But, um, you know, Kansas should take care of business against either one of those, to be completely frank with you. And uh, I'm sure – KU fans, if, if there is a rooting interest, um, this is it for, for Bruce Weber unless he does something magical. So um, I, I'm sure there are some KU fans out there that would not mind if Kansas dealt Bruce Weber a pretty severe loss in his final game as Kansas State head coach to, to send him out in that sort of way. So we'll see if it plays out that way. But I, I think that uh, if there is a rooting interest out there around the, Lawrence and around these parts, that might be the one that it is. Ochai Baji, we talked about him last week about you know some some of the shooting struggles of the last couple games and specifically with the TCU game how uh, maybe it was kind of forcing shots and the shot selection wasn't maybe as as great as we had seen it early in the season and now that it's kind of continued on um, I think over the last four games it's thirty percent from the field twenty five percent from three it's still not at all to me like in the in the danger of oh it's it's panic mode or anything like that because. I think the bigger sample size has shown that he is an elite shooter and he'll figure it out. Um, but is there any worry at all knowing that if if you're not getting that national player of the year level efficiency from Ochai that you know the margin for error does become a lot smaller for KU and that if they can't get this figured out, like what does that look like come NCAA tournament time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, KU most of the year was third in efficiency, you know, offensive efficiency. Uh, on the numbers you look at, basically only behind teams like Gonzaga and Purdue. And over the course of the last week and a half, they dropped a seventh. And <laughs> Bill Self has repeated over and over and over again, kind of the reason for this team to be so good on offense and such an efficient team has been the play of Okai Abaji. I mean, he takes a lot of shots. He doesn't really turn it over. He takes good shots and makes a ton of threes. And that's a really good formula for success. And you add that to kind of the, you know, the – additional stuff he's added off the dribble and being able to get to the basket and score from two-point range and getting in the free throw line, it's, it's really great. But you saw against Texas, I mean, when Ochai is shooting like that and is not the efficient weapon that he's been for Kansas all year, think about all the things that had to happen for Kansas at home to win that game. You know, they had to lock down defensively. They had to have a great game from Dan Wilson. They had to rebound the ball great. They had to shoot 30-whatever-it-was free throws uh, and make a bunch of them. So, yeah, the, the margin for error, if, if Ochai is not – Big 12 player of the year, Ochai, becomes much smaller for Kansas. But, you know, you can repeat that for most teams out there. If, if Oscar Shibway is not Oscar Shibway, you know, what, where's at least Kentucky? Or, um, you know, if Davis isn't what Davis has been for Wisconsin, what do they look like? You know, they lose to Nebraska, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the good and the bad with having a, a superstar type player. I, I agree with you in that I think that's a small sample blip. I think he'll be fine for the Big 12 tournament. I think he'll be okay moving ahead, and if I was going to say anything to potentially give KU fans a little bit more 
solace is that that last game against Texas might have just kind of been a one-off because there was so much pressure on his senior night and it looked like he was missing a lot of those layups and just shots that he normally makes. But he does need to turn around. I mean, I'm, I'm not out here to just say, hey, all the pressure's on Ochai Abaji, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's no secret. What has made Kansas a great team is that they've had a national player of the year type on their roster, and he's listed them offensively. So if they don't get that player in the next few weeks, yeah, absolutely, they're stealing his cap. But I'm sort of with you here. I, I think that they will get more of that version, and the biggest thing is for him to just make open threes. He hasn't done as much lately, but the, the larger sample would tell us that that thing is probably going to correct itself here pretty soon. We talked about on our uh, show yesterday, if you could guarantee that one KU player would play their A game the rest of the season in each individual game, who would you pick? And and the we put this up for a poll. 64% said Dave, 27 said Ochai, and a little less for the other guys. I, I think there's a lot of good candidates here. You could argue, you know, do you want that from Remy Martin or you do you just take it from your best player with Ochai or do you expect him to figure it out and you just – take Dave so you have more consistency, or do you take Jalen? I was talking about on Monday how um, in their wins per 40 minutes, he's averaging over 11 rebounds per game, and the losses, it's like six. And clearly, as we talked about, if they can be a good defensive rebounding team, it helps them with their biggest strength, getting in transition. So if, if you had to pick someone, could be somebody that I didn't even mention, to play their A game each game from here on the rest of the season, who do you think would be the best pick for KU to be at their most successful? Well, I think your listeners are really smart is what I'm about to say because uh, I'm definitely on Team Dave here. Um, you talk about the correlation to them being, you know, being successful and not, and I just don't think there's been a bigger one than Dave this year. When he's out and when Bill Self starts to go to five-position merry-go-round, KU basically loses, and they normally lose those games. And that's just a fact. I mean, Dave gives them a presence offensively. It's where the guys are most comfortable with their ball screen coverage and what they – tried to accomplish defensively. He's their best rebounder by far. And I just mentioned that, you know, you mentioned the, the money ball story where he gets to the free throw line a ton and makes a bunch of those shots and doesn't turn it over. And so it might not look pretty at all times, but it still is a very unorthodox but effective way to be an efficient offensive player. If you look at his efficiency numbers in Big 12 play, they're better than Ochuk's. And, and that's while taking on a greater offensive load. So he's super important to Kansas. Um, and I just think that, we know he has bouts of inconsistency. We know he has games where the first two or three minutes he can't grab a rebound, and immediately Bill Self is looking for answers from his bench. So I, I'm, I 100% my answer would be Dave McCormick because I, I think the other guys uh, have been more consistent over the course of the season, and they have better replacements for who's behind them, or at least more, I don't want to say proven replacements, but I think more productive replacements. Like if Ochai goes out, like, the Iowa State game, KU has other guys they can put in there. You know, you can put Joseph Yesu in for a few more minutes. You can put Remy Martin in there for more time, that sort of thing. It's just when Dave's out of the game, I just don't think Bill Self knows exactly who he wants to go to and exactly the type of production that he's going to get. So I think he's the most important player for Kansas down the stretch, and I think that's part of the reason that leads or goes back to our previous conversation, which is whatever you can do this week to make him at his best next week, whatever that is, I think Bill Self at least wants to consider all right, I got one for you before we get to Kiss, Mary Kill. Who wins more Big 12 Coach of the Year or years in uh, their career? Brandon Schneider or Lance Leipold? So we're counting Brandon with his one already? Yes, so he's count. one up. I'll go with Brandon Schneider mm. <laughs> because <laughs> he has one in the bank. And it's going to be tough to win the Big 12, don't you think? I mean, that's... 
But I mean, if, to, the first year that he, the first year that he brings Kansas to like six and six, if that happens, I mean that's that might be in discussion, honestly. It could be, but it might not be too, right? Like yeah. there could be some other coach out there that goes eight and four or nine and three is pick nine. So uh, it's I guess what I'm saying is it's a tough award to win. And hypothetically, you know, just statistically, you're going to win it about every ten years, ten <laughs> percent of the time. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will take Brandon Schneider in his one, uh, and and put that in the bank, and uh, you know, take that over the unknown of what Lance Leipold might be. But could he win one? Absolutely. Could he win multiple ones? Sure. Uh, but he just hasn't done it yet. All right, on to kiss, Mary kill. We have not gotten to Baylor yet this year, so I have a feeling I know which that's going to be. But Baylor, North Carolina, and Memphis. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll marry Baylor. I've been high on them for most of the year, even through the injuries, because their efficiency numbers have shown, even over that time when they've had guys out, they've been a really good basketball team. Pretty sure I was the only pollster when they played Kansas uh, to have Baylor above Kansas going into that game. So I uh, felt pretty good about that after the results, and then obviously everybody jumbled up the rankings after that. So uh, I will marry Memphis. They are on the uptick, and you know Penny has gotten there in a very you mean kiss weird Memphis? way. Yeah, going to kiss Memphis. They've gotten under Penny. They've gotten to where they are right now in a very weird way, but they're kind of on an uptick and have won a bunch of games in a row now. I think it's what four straight and maybe something like ten of the last eleven. So I like their trajectory, and they obviously have some talent on that roster. Uh, that leaves me killing North Carolina. A uh, good win against Duke, but one win does not a season make. Obviously, I think Duke had a lot to do with that result too. Being nervous on. Coach K, senior night, if you will. So um, I'll still kill them and just think that they're not going to be up to much when it comes to the NCAA tournament. He is Jesse Newell. You can check out all his work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. Jesse, appreciate the time as always. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. That's Jesse Newell. Check out his work, KansasCity.com, and then the Kansas City Star. One hour down, two to go. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Bravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Four o'clock hour here. Um, it's really cool that you have all these conference tournament games going on throughout the day. We have like the TV on. We just saw Boston College upset Wake Forest. And the coolest of them all, Arizona State and Stanford are it's 70 to 69, 37 seconds left. Would love to watch that game. Oh, it's on Pac-12 Network. Awful. Which I don't think is a network. It's not real. Yeah, it's just like it's somewhere out there in the world, but I've never found it, certainly. Okay, um, you know where we are going to find things Everywhere. around the world with yeah. Adam. That right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right. Where do we want to start? We mm, want to start somewhere. in Ohio. OH. This from the UPI, a botting building contest founded by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh. Debuted a new event this year. What's the event for these bodybuilders to participate in? Uh, is it? I don't know. I, what is the big one called? Like the Iron Man? No, that's, that's running. It's like a marathon. I don't know what. A slap fighting championship. Oh, gosh. So just two giants smacking terrible. each other across the face till one of them gives up. I call that a Tuesday night. No, um, that... I wonder if before they slap each other, they have to go, well, I never. <laughs> they have to They have to have the white gloves on and take one off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this sounds terrifying. Have you ever seen, like, slap competitions? Yes. They, like, hit you so... Like, people get knocked out. Yeah, yeah, they, they really reel back. They probably get concussions, whiplash, all sorts of stuff. So if these are, like, super strong dudes, too, yeah. no thank you. 
the Arnold Classic, an annual bodybuilding competition in Columbus, Ohio, held its first slap fighting comp- er, championship after an announcement by Schwarzenegger and YouTube star... Uh, of course. Logan Paul. No. The contest featured male and female competitors in different weight classes, taking turns hitting one another in the face with open hands to, for slap fight supremacy. Mm. You think Juwan Howard entered? <laughs> The women's category was won by Adriana Sleds, S-L-E-D-Z, okay. while David Zales Zaluski uh, won uh, won the men's super heavyweight contest via technical knockout. Mm. So, would you get smacked by either of these people? No, I definitely would not. For charity? Ah, uh, yeah, I would. I would do it for like charity. Like if our listeners raise a thousand bucks to go to. I don't know if that's enough. Oh. Well, well, like seriously, I could get not, I could get a concussion and have to go to the hospital and pay like a two thousand dollar hospital bill. Is that worth it? That's a good point. What if we find a way for like the company to, to yeah, like, we mean, got a sponsor involved and they'll take care of whatever medical bills you need. Then yes, I would do it. I would do it for the sake of charity. Um, or if you do a big enough number, I'll do it for charity. I'm just saying, like, you know, I I don't want to have to go to the hospital for the and then not be able to to sleep our on hour off or, or whatever that you have to do with concussions like that that would suck what do you think is worse do you think slap competitions are worse or do you think have you ever seen like the arm wrestling competitions yeah and that's like a basic thing so it's not that those are bad but it's the idea i'm giving you my answer here along the way here for me it almost is the arm wrestling ones because it's the danger of have you ever seen the videos where the guys are like going all out arm wrestle and then the guy who wins when he wins because they are going so hard and they're so strong snaps the other guy's arm mm, and it's like yeah. backwards the pressure is yeah I would rather deal with like a concussion or whatever than that. Did you ever play knuckles with the quarters and when you were a kid? Mm, maybe once or twice yeah, just kind of experimentally. One. Yeah, you got, just like what is this we, game? Yeah, we got we we were, we we tore apart our knuckles playing mm. that game when I was in 6th grade. How dumb um, were we as kids? It's like yeah, as kids. You know what's... <laughs> it's like, let's think of a fun game. Hey, how about we just rip apart each other's knuckles with pennies? Kids are angsty, yeah, man. I guess. Got to release that, that tension somehow. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this is a, a TikToker. Mm. Um, she's 21 years old. She lives in an unusual place for a 21-year-old. Where does she live? Oh, in Antarctica. No. Damn. She lives in an old folks' home. Oh, okay. In a video reeling, re, uh, revealing things that make sense when you like uh, when you live in an old folks' home, she cited the ladies doing puzzles, the decor, the constant fresh baked goods in the atrium, people casually leaving their doors to their apartment open, and leftover food from Meals mm. on Wheels left at my door. Okay, so I don't actually don't think this would be the worst thing in the world. I mean, you're talking about an, uh, an a community that you're ingrained with right away. Yep. You have automatic friends. Um, you don't have to like text everyone to be like, "Hey, what's everyone doing?" You're just already there, and, and they're already all, in bed by eight. Exactly. So um, you just get to sit around, watch movies, TVs, puzzles. Those are fun. Nothing wrong with this, honestly. You know, this is gonna be really depressing. <laughs> the only the, the only time in my life I've ever regularly done a puzzle is when I've been waiting on somebody to die. Oh. And you know, like when you're in the hospice area and they've got all these activities in the lobby. Like what'll make everyone have, feel and better? They have puzzles. Doing a puzzle. That's the only time I've really. And it's been multiple times in my life that I've been in that situation. Uh, and that's the only time I've ever really done a puzzle. Yeah, see, I'm not like a. This, I'm not a been. huge puzzle person. If somebody whips it out, like I'll, I'll try to help. Beg you your out. pardon. 
My <laughs> my wife, please don't pull that. My wife um Beg your pardon? does love puzzles. So I will help her on occasion. But yeah, I, I guess my first question is how is this allowed? Is there But then again, there would be ageism if you said no, so I guess I get that. But like well, I said, this isn't like the worst life in the world. Further explaining how she ended up living in the apartment, she said in another video because of the nature of my job, I need to be at work. And I travel a lot, but it was impossible to found, find housing. So this town has a lot of people who come here for that reason. And they had no housing other than low income. So they started allowing people to live in their old uh, old people's homes. Because and, and to be clear, it's not a nursing home. It's just a, a, resident, a retirement home, basically. Um, because it was one of their only rental units that would have openings. Dude. I saw a news story several years ago. for It was back when the Kansas City Monarchs were called the Kansas City T-Bones. And this guy this, this guy who played for the T-Bones and his wife, the only place they could find him, um, the, the, the find of him, two of them housing were, were at a at a senior home. So I've, I've heard of it before. No, I, I like I said, I think it's cool this person's going to be like the best shuffleboard player because if she gets like 50 years of doing this and keeps living here, although I would say like, why do you have to, if, if this town has no specific, or like doesn't have enough housing options or whatever, why don't you just pick a different town? You're traveling so much. Why do you have to live in the town where your only place to live is a retirement home? But again, you know, not the worst she idea. She did say three or, there are three or four other people around her age that do live there, but 90, about 90% of it are um, old codgers. Mm, okay. All Good right, we're going to move along to Florida, which is America's Australia. Mm. This gentleman, Darren, first off, his name is Darren Durant, okay. was shown on CCTV at the True Value store on February 2nd. So this is a, this is a, over a month old. Wait, real quick, back to the name. Do you think his parents are big like Duran Duran fans and they thought it'd be funny? Could be. If they got it close to it. Well, uh, they started him off pretty poorly and at age 46, he uh, hasn't shown out. <laughs> um, he hasn't blossomed into a swan yet. Uh, the 46-year-old can be seen walking into the shop with a crutch before taking a pair of cutting tools and removing a security tag off of a crossbow. He then tried to leave the store with it hidden. Where did he try to hide the crossbow? Oh, please tell me he put it, like, under his shirt. In his pants. <laughs> he can then be seen shoving the weapon down the front of his trousers before walking out. Amazingly, he made it out of the shop, which is an indictment on every person who works there. But was arrested a few days later in the car park of a nearby store. Wow. An arrest warrant has been issued by Brevard County for Durant, who is currently in custody on unrelated burglary charges. So this mm. dude steals a lot. I wonder how many of those times he puts the items right. in his trousers. They, they ask him, like, uh, sir, are you stealing? What? You making fun of my, my stuff down there? He's like, uh, no, sir, we're just stealing a crossbow. Yeah. He's happy to see me. <laughs> dude. Okay, this is. This sounds like to me almost like somebody, like he lost a, a bet, and they were like, "All right, as part of the bet, you have to try to steal the Finishing most obscure last in item." The fantasy football. Yes, league. yes. And it was like, and everybody in their right mind in the league is like, "Well, it, it won't cause a big issue because this guy obviously got arrested." Everybody in the right mind was like, "No, nobody's going to get arrested because what'll happen is if we're going to ask you to steal the most obscure item there is and put it down your pants." No way in your right, like, no employee is going to be like, hey, this guy is just walking out of here. He's got interesting looking pants. Um, everybody's going to stop you, and you'll never get out of there. And he'll just be asked to return it and leave the store. I think you still get pot for attempted burglary there. Okay, interesting. So, but, but, I, I think, but he gets out, and then he's like, 
crap. I got out of here. What do I do now? What do I do now? And he's just like, I, I guess I just have a crossbow. I guess I'm just a crossbow guy now. I uh, I think there's a certain there's a there's a, a an important phrase you used in there, Derek, that I don't know. You use the words in their right mind. <laughs> I don't think old Darren Durant is in his right mind. <laughs> no. First off, he's he's already he's already in the joint for another burglary charge that has nothing to do with this. So this isn't the first time he's tried to steal something. I'll bet it ain't even the first time he's gotten... It's not even... No, it's not even the first time he's gotten caught. Like, I bet a lot of people have stolen something and not gotten caught. My sister, when she was three years old, shoplifted. What'd she take? Candy bar? Uh, close. Uh, gum. Hmm. Bubble tape You had this dual flavor thing where, like, half of it was strawberry, half of it was grape, all in the same spool of bubble okay. tape. So my mother, when I was a child, my mother uh, drove a bus for the school. Mm -hmm. And at that time, my baby sister, um, who is 30 now, no longer my baby sister, but um, at the time when she was three, she wasn't going to school, obviously. So she would get up with my mom, go on the bus route with her, and then they'd come back home. And, and the um, there was this gas station in, uh, right across the lot where the district parked all of its buses. And that's where they always filled up their buses. And my mom, it was Gardner, and so, you know, a lot of people knew a lot of people. And on top of that, the um, we were very, very close with the neighbors next to us. We kind of like, it was our, our next door neighbors kind of became like our family and vice versa. Um, and the the parents of the um, of our neighbors ran the store. And so her name, the one of the, the, the husband's name was Wes and the wife's name was Barb. And so they were, she was always, she called, we called her grandma Barb and she, you know, she wasn't legally our grandma, but we called her grandma Barb. So anyway, so they get home. My mom is cold. So my mom is unzipping my little sister's coat and out falls the bubble tape. <laughs> and Teresa, my sister, just, I shouldn't have said her name. She, whatever, she won't care. <laughs> I have a sister named Teresa. She bursts into tears so my mom goes, well, here we go. So she zips her back up, takes her to uh, back to the the, the uh, convenience store, walks her in, and my mom obviously, um, you know, not not fuming mad, but realizing that you know she needs to teach yeah. it a That's lesson. A great here. opportunity, yeah. yeah. And so she she does what you do. She forced, you know, she didn't speak for her. She forced my sister to admit to it. Um, it went through, and then Barb. One of the sweetest humans you'll ever meet goes, oh, sweetheart, you didn't have to do that. You could have just asked Grandma Barb. You know I would have let you have that. And my mom's like, Barb, yeah. <laughs> trying to teach a lesson here. Not the right time. So um, anyway, that that's one of my favorite, mm. all-time favorite stories to yeah. illustrate what kind of woman she was. I never really stole anything. I did one time. I, I don't know, maybe 11 or something. We were at a... Uh, breakfast bagel place and i i asked for a water and then i filled it up with lemonade oh. I, got, I got screamed at that was not by a parent or yeah, a worker? by a worker oh I'll good at that um i know both your parents i i mean i i <laughs> you it, probably like, it's gotta be your pops no comment i mean because your pops even when he's talking normal you can hear that man's voice for 10 miles <laughs> yeah my dad i'll, bet, be great he, for I'll radio. bet he can yell <laughs> i've never heard him yell but i bet that man can yell like he could, like, like he could yell in our studio, and I'd hear him tomorrow at the T-Mobile Center. Dang, good genetics, radio um, voice, I guess. Yeah, all right. So next, we're getting something that was not stolen but returned. Mm -hmm. 
This is from the UPI in uh, in uh, Britain. A book was returned to a Brit an overdue book was returned to a British library. How long was this thing out on loan, Derek? Seven years. Sixty-five years. Oh. After a young little, reader. Little, little short. After, I bet that book smells so good. <laughs> you ever smelled an old book? <laughs> do the pages? Oh, yeah, an great. old book smells great. Oh, I bet that book We should do places that smell good. They normally wouldn't think list. of, yeah. Library, ice oh, cream man. shop with all the waffle cones. Um, return to a British library after uh, the the uh, the laundry aisle in the store. Um, a young reader found it abandoned at the side of the road. The Portsmouth City Council said the book was titled appropriately "Forgotten Submarine." Uh, it was found by a young girl named Jill Davies at the side of Portsmouth's Fratton Road in 1957. The book bore markings from the city of Portsmouth's public libraries, but Davis took it home, intending to read it and return it to the library. So this, she found it in 1957 on the side of the road. I guess never turned, never got around to returning it. Um, I still have a book that I borrowed in 2011 from a friend that I haven't returned. Uh -oh. yet, not from a library. No, I don't think you're past the friend. statutes of limitations. Um, a friend can sue you. As an avid reader, there was no way I was going to return the book until I had read it, which I did and thoroughly enjoyed. But the one thing I never got around to doing was taking it to the library, Davy said in a letter to the Portsmouth City Council. David said she decided to mail it back to the library when she rediscovered it on a shelf while decluttering her home in London. I have no idea how far Portsmouth is from London. She said the book had moved with her numerous times over the past 64 years. Davies wrote that she had been concerned about fines incurred by the person who originally checked the book out and lost it at the side of the road. So she didn't, wasn't even the one that checked it out. She found it on the side of the road. But she was heartened to hear Portsmouth had eliminated late fees. I'm delighted Jill has gotten in contact with us to return the book, and I hope this story inspires other others to rediscover their library and not be afraid of any previous fines, said Portsmouth Councilor Ben Dowling. City cabinet member for culture, leisure, and economic development. I first off, I love libraries. Second off, I hope because look, I the town where I grew up is Gardner, and it had a fine library. It had a fine library. Lawrence Public Library is a, like incredible, mm -hmm. and, and and like I said, I say that believing very much that where I grew up had a terrific library, but. Lawrence Public Library is an entirely new level, and I hope people who have only experienced Lawrence Public Library understand Lawrence Public Library. I, I went there for the first time. I was a freshman in uh, college, and a friend of mine, she, she was like, I got to return a few books of LPL. You want to walk with me? So we walked from campus down to the library. It's the first time I'd ever been in there, Derek. That place is incredible. I love the LPL, and this feels like something that they would do. Yeah. Uh, no late fees. That's cool. Good of them. I, I wouldn't like to see, though, hypothetically, if there were late fees, how much that, oh, that bill would have cost. <laughs> Astounding. Uh, what if this is just a, a PR scheme? What if this didn't actually happen? What if this is just get them getting in the news and saying, come to the library? We won't charge you. I wouldn't wow. blame them. What if the book was titled Cynical Host? <laughs> <laughs> then that would be a true story. All right. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up next... We'll have our KU Club interviews continue on, brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence, where you can hang out, watch the game, get some good food and drink. That coming up on the other side with KU Hockey. We're going to be joined by a couple fun guests here 
uh, after this. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. All right, we're back for our second week of KU Club interviews. We had the Rugby Club on last week. This all brought to you by Johnny's Tavern here in Lawrence. Check out Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. We're joined by a couple guests this time. That would be Ella Zeff and Andrew Cadle, who are the vice president and president, respectively, of the KU Hockey Club. And, um, I mean, obviously, it's it's hard not to now go to, like, any KU sporting event, you go to basketball game, football game, whatever, and you see people wearing the KU hockey jerseys now. You guys have have kind of infested your way into the KU fandom. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I would say um, it kind of started my freshman year. We were getting ready for our border showdown, and one of our seniors texted me, and he's like, hey, can you make some jerseys for us? And I was like, sure, I've never done this, but I'll try. And here we are four years, four years later, and we've sold um, over, I think, a 1,000 jerseys, and – um, still selling more. We have a store that's actually active right now through March 14th. Um, so if you want some, if you want to join, if you want to join the wave, uh, you can. So, all right, awesome. So Ella, and and I guess this is for both of you, but um, what specifically being the vice president, the president, like what are your guys' roles, and and what kind of got you into this? Like, were you big hockey fans before you came to KU? Yeah, I kind of grew up watching hockey here and there. I'm from Arizona, so I wasn't huge back home. But obviously we have an NHL team. And so coming to KU, I mean, hockey is a club sport. I saw it on social media, the rec pages and everything. And it was just kind of, well, there's a way to get involved. Um, This is something I enjoy. I'm a sport management major. And I brought it up actually before I came to KU to my parents. And they were like, well, that's interesting. (laughs) And here I am um, almost two years later now as vice president. A few days after hosting our 2022 Border Showdown at home, and it just kind of came full circle. The other day, I was really thinking about it. I remember that initial Zoom. Um, I was, it was the first week, I think, of freshman year, and I was on this Zoom so intimidated. <laughs> um, and here I am kind of in a leadership role, and it was really cool to have that realization the other day, and I am so grateful for this opportunity. It's something that I wouldn't have traded for anything. I've learned so much about the game, just being in this role in the organization itself has just blown me away. Um, the KU Hockey Club is a really special place. What about you, Andrew? Um, I'm from Minnesota, so I was oh, yeah. I was born and raised <laughs> with in you, Yeah, right? I was born and raised with hockey in my blood. Um, and obviously, coming down to Kansas, hockey is not the primary sport. Um, and so it was a to walk into an arena and not see it sold out um, was a bit of an eye-opener for me, but I have worked my hardest for four years, and Ella has been a fantastic help this year um, to get us to a point where we did just sell out our first arena on Friday. Um, And for me with hockey, I mean, it's always kind of been my getaway. Sports is a lot of people's... um, spot to get away from life and it's no different for me um i've been fortunate enough to be trusted by the team and the coaches throughout the last four years to kind of um take my skills and education as a graphic designer um and find a way to merge sports and design into um, a career path um and similar to what ella said i'm 
I'm very thankful for what this club has been able to do for me, and um, I'm excited to see what Ella does with it in the next couple of years. So where are you guys at in the season right now? As you mentioned, you just had, uh, I always want to call it the border war, but, you know, border battle uh, for, for legal purposes for you guys. But um, where are you guys at in the season? Uh, what's, I guess, still to come moving forward? Uh, our season is over now after um, our game against Mizzou on uh, Friday, March 4th. So now, I mean, it's there's, it's a cliche statement in sports for the for the um, the staff members, but our season is now really just starting to get ready for next year. Um, that's not as much the case for me because I'm graduating <laughs> in two months, but um, that's more so for Ella and the rest of the staff that, that come back and that join next year. So, um, but... Our regular season is over. We did not qualify for playoffs. We did not qualify for the national tournament, which is okay because the one game every single year that we have circled on the calendar is that game against Mizzou. Yep, and uh, I went to it a couple of years ago. It was it was so much fun being in attendance for that, and that was before you know the rivalry kicked back up in, in some of the other sports as well. So as far as uh, getting the season started for next year with – um, I guess tryouts, having people come out, everything like that. How, how does that whole process work with um, when they start to join the club and, and for whether it's students who are coming back to KU and might be interested or parents who are sending students to KU and, and want to tell them, hey, here's something you can get involved with. How does that all kind of go through? I mean, it's kind of everything from the player standpoint to the parents, even coaches and um, to the staff standpoint. For players, it's just uh, off-season work. And then when you get back to campus, it's, it's really go time from, I think we have our intro meeting the second week of school. Um, tryouts are right about then, and then games start in September, I believe. And so it's, it's really September to March is hockey all the time. And then for the staff, it's year-round. We literally, I've already started planning stuff for next season, got a lot of ideas to come, a lot of new staff members that we want to bring on next year, and that's an opportunity for really any student that wants to be involved. If you can't get on the ice yourself, we've got a spot for you on the staff. Um, but it's just really growing. That's the biggest thing that we've talked about all season is how we can grow the sport in Kansas and in the Midwest just in general. And I think you've probably both heard this cliche a lot, um, the idea of that hockey is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a positive thing, but uh, that hockey is one of the most exciting sports to watch in person, that you can't really totally... I guess appreciate the game till you see it in person, till you see how fast it is in the live action going up against each other. So um, I guess for maybe is this like a good opportunity for you know younger fans who who maybe don't have an opportunity, especially with no NHL team here in Kansas City, and um, maybe it's it's you know a good family environment, maybe it's a good environment just to kind of get the basics of hockey. Is is that kind of uh, what you guys are going for? Is is getting some of the the people in attendance outside of just kind of students at KU? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned early on with the jerseys, we get so many parents that buy their little kids youth jerseys and tweet us pictures, um, Facebook message us pictures of their kids. One of my mom's favorite pictures is this little kid with his like like ski mask like pulled up over his nose with his helmet on, like in this little jersey that he's like way too small for, but it's, it's really cute. And so um, for us to be able to be making an impact not only on the KU community for kids that are, you know, enrolled at KU or um, people that want an NHL team here, as you had just mentioned. Um, it's also for the kids because without the next generation of hockey players coming through, there's no club. Um, there's no there's no room for the game. And 
being from Minnesota, I know that um, for a game to grow, it starts obviously in the youth program. It, and for us, because it's cold enough, it starts outdoors really, where you can just mess around, have fun with your friends. It's not really in an organized arena. Um, so for this game to really grow down here, it, it takes all hands on deck at the youth level. Um, and that's something that we've seen more and more of over the years. I mean, you had, Ella, you had reached out to some youth programs about attending our border showdown. And um, I don't think any of those teams were able to make it, but we did see a good amount of little kids with their parents in the stands. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what it's all about. And unfortunately, due to the limited capacity <coughs> of this year's border showdown, we weren't able to invite as many kids as we were um, wanting to. However, that is something, like I just mentioned, we're looking to grow. That's something I have written down. That's something we want to improve on in the next few years. Because, like Andrew just said, these, this is the next generation of hockey. And especially in Kansas City, we want these younger kids to know that this is out here. A lot of the kids, if they could do come to our state university, hockey doesn't end after high school. You have the opportunity to play at this collegiate level for the club team here at University of Kansas. We even had a few weeks ago, not weeks ago, a few months ago, we had um, a kid in high school. He's a freshman in high school DM was asking how he can play collegiate hockey at the University of Kansas. I was like just reach out to us again in four years. Like, I'm not going to be here. Ella's not going to be here. But someone will be. Um, so just DM us, email us, fill out our, our recruitment form. Um, just find a way to get in contact because we we anyone that fills out our player recruitment form, we look at. Um, we have kids that – and he did fill it out. And um, even though he's a freshman in high school, we have his – contact stuff and can follow him for the next four years until he does have a chance to enroll at KU if he chooses to come here. Um, so really, if you're interested in hockey and um, you live in Kansas or on the other side of the border um, uh, <laughs> in, in Kansas City or in Independence or any of those areas and you don't want to go further east of Mizzou, we will <laughs> gladly take you and uh, um, and take a look at you. So. No, that's awesome. You guys are kind of very much helping the foundation of this thing continue to grow. And like you said, it it feels like it's 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 really taken off. So obviously with hockey, it is more of, you know, an expensive sport between the travel, between the equipment, everything. How can people kind of support you guys? How can they help you guys out from uh, a club perspective and whether it's donations, buying jerseys, going to games? What's the easiest way for people to do that? You hit the nail on the head. Um I said earlier we have a jersey store open. Merchandise is by far our biggest ticket. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into the to the details of it, but we make uh, we've made a lot of money that helps support our students um, play the game over the last couple of years. And without the support of the community, that would not be possible. We have kids that um, this is the first year that I've been a part of the club where I've had more than a handful of players that pay out of pocket to play the game. In the years past, it's always been um, these kids' parents just pay for them because that's how it always is. But this year, um, and if these kids stick around, it'll be continue to be out of pocket, and it's really tough financially on them. And um, mentally, while they're still trying to focus in school, um, to deal with having to pay for um, one of the most expensive sports that you can play. Um, you can also donate through endowment. Um, and then sometimes we do GoFundMes, but we haven't done one in four years. Um, so, yeah, it's really just the merchandise sales, um, which can always be found on our social media pages. Yeah, and I think it's a great way to do it because not only are you helping support you guys, you're getting awesome jerseys. I've always said that hockey jerseys are the best jerseys to 
just in general, like there's you know, it's hard to wear a basketball jersey with no sleeves. You go to work or something. Hockey jerseys you can get away with. It's a nice sweater, you know. It's it's uh, multi multi versatile. I guess I would say. And you can layer up underneath it too. Exactly. We have a we have a player that. Um, he makes he kind of jokes with me. He's like, "Man, we're like the Oregon Ducks of college hockey." And I'm like, "I'll take it. Like, I will take that 100." percent Absolutely. Well, thank you guys both for coming in. I really appreciate it, Andrew, Ella. Uh, look forward to having you again on the radio sometime, maybe next year. Kind of catch up with things at the start of the season as opposed to at the end. But thank you guys for both coming in. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you so much, and hopefully we can get you out to the border shutdown game next year. Love it. Absolutely. Let's mark it down. All right, that's Ella and Andrew from KU Hockey. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All that brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. Go get a great bite to eat, great place to hang out at Johnny's. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, joined now by Greg Gurley, KU Color Man, who you can hear on the call tomorrow here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS, pregame 12.30 with tip-off at 2 o'clock. Uh, so KU just celebrated Senior Day, and, and I was thinking, you know, if if you could go back, is is there certain Senior Day speeches that, that stick out to you as, as maybe some of the best, and how much do you remember about your Senior Day speech at Kansas, and did you cry? Uh, so I'll go the last question first. Yes, I cried. Uh, it was, uh, it was emotional. You know, it was my only game that I ever started at Kansas. And the cool part about it was that whoever won that game against Oklahoma state won the big eight. We were tied. So it was a, it was a huge game. I actually, uh, started and I think I scored 13 or 15 points, which for me was a lot. And, uh, it was just a great, great day and something I'll never forget. Um, you know, we were talking before the game on uh, Saturday in Lawrence with, you know, sitting with Wayne Simeon and, you know, Wayne Simeon might have the record for longest senior speech. It was over 20 minutes long. <laughs> he had a lot to get off his chest. It was a great speech. Don't get me wrong, but we were, we were all making fun of Wayne for having, uh, one of the longest, but uh, yes, it's just a neat deal, and, and the and the record of thirty nine in a row now is just ridiculous. I mean, there's so many records that that I don't think we're ever going to approach uh, anywhere around the country. But that one's crazy. Uh, Bill's record on Big Mondays, and all all these things are just nuts, and we take them for granted because it just happens, and we think it's normal. But uh, fun day in the fog on Saturday um, wasn't. Ochai's best day, but his his sorrows ended quickly when he was named the Big 12 Player of the Year and an All-American, which he so much deserved. Yeah, what do you make of, of those struggles for Ochai shooting the basketball? I mean, if you, you go back before the Texas game, he's still putting up 18, 22 points in, in the specific games, but it's taken a lot of shots to get there. Is that cause for concern overall over the last four games, or is it kind of easy to explain away and you're expecting – kind of a big bounce back this week and, and moving forward? Well, I expect a big bounce back because that's the kind of guy Ochai is. Um, in watching the game on Saturday, he was obviously up. You know, he was like, his shots were long. You know, he started the game off three seconds in, missing a layup. And didn't think much of it, but then it just one became two and two became three. And then when he got an open look, he kind of guided it. So he was just pressing. You know, you want to you want to have a, a memorable day, and it just didn't happen. Now, he made it memorable because he uh, won, but one for 11, not having his first field goal till overtime was crazy. Um, maybe chalk it up to a little bit of he's played a ton of minutes. 
throughout the years, you know, Bill trusts him and wants him on the floor. And for as much as we thought we had a deep bench, which we do, they don't play that much. Ochai, you know, we, we struggle when he's not on the court. So Bill plays him 37 minutes a game and does, was fatigue a factor? Maybe. Uh, but I do look for him to bounce back this weekend. He's just too good of a player. We asked this question to our previous guest on the show, and we asked it on a, on a daily poll yesterday and kind of discussed, if you could guarantee that one player for KU would be at their A level, their their whatever top level of their game is, for every game, the rest of the way moving forward. And, and it was kind of an interesting debate whether you take, you know, do you take the, the ceiling of Remy Martin because you haven't always had that this season, or do you take David McCormick because there have been inconsistencies, or do you just say, you know, I'll take OJ or Christian Brown because they're one of the best players on the team. And if you can guarantee me that one of the best players on the team is playing at that level each and every night, that's a pretty good boon to have on your side. Who would you go with if, if you could guarantee one of those players? You know, surprisingly, I'd probably say David McCormick because of the way Bill likes to play through the bigs. If, if, you, if you would tell me, let's just say, hey, David's going to give you a 24 and 12 the rest of the way. I, w- I would say I would I would take that because you're going to get consistent play from Ochai, Christian, and CB. They may not go crazy for 37 points, but the, the effect and the impact that a big guy has in a Bill Self offense, I think, outweighs uh, a guy like Ochai, CB, or Jalen. So uh, I know it doesn't really matter. It's a good question, but but it's uh, I would probably have to go with with, with David. Do you think there is any part of Bill Self that would rest David McCormick this week? No, I don't. <laughs> I think he's he's he, he's of the opinion if you're going to come here, then you try to win it. And uh, his best chance of winning it was with David on the floor. It's frustrating that uh, uh, David's injured. It's not fair because he's he's been a, a true warrior all year, and we've kind of downplayed that injury in his foot. But it's it's a real thing, and and it, it, we were at an event on Monday and and, and a Q and A deal, and Bill said, "Hey, the only way for it to get better is for him to do nothing for four weeks. So that's not going to happen. Uh, you might as well go out and do it. It's a pain threshold deal, and uh, it is what it is." What matchup do you think would be better in, in seeing all these games against all these different Big 12 opponents? It'll be either West Virginia or Kansas State in the quarterfinals. If they win that, it would be either Texas or TCU, who you got to see a lot of last week in the semifinals. Uh, like, Which specifically of those matchups in the possible first two games do you think would be better for KU to play? Well, I'll start with K-State and, and West Virginia. Um, I'd probably say if I had to pick a team I'd want to play, it'd be West Virginia because we saw what K-State is capable of. They're a really good defensive team, and they had a sound by 16 at their place where they they got hot, and they've got multiple guys on the team, Noel and Pack, that can beat you. And I just don't, as good as Taz Sherman and McNeil are, I, I guess I'd say uh, uh, West Virginia. Uh, and then... If you're forced to move on, I don't think we matched up very well with TCU, and we proved that in uh, in Fort Worth, and really for 36 minutes in Lawrence. So uh, it's a tough league for a reason. There's no there's no off nights. I mean, we're talking about the playing game, 
And uh, then, then you go to the next round with TCU in Texas. So I, I would probably say, I guess I'd rather play Texas because I think we uh, have the upper hand on them, but we lost to them once and beat them in overtime at home. So uh, go figure. But uh, I like the fact that we're the one seed to where the semifinal game isn't against Baylor or Texas Tech. That was the, the reward for being the one seed. But uh, there's still no off days in a tournament like this. No, there is not. We're talking with Greg Gurley here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You know, it's it's funny because I think if you ask some fans, they'll say, "Well, they haven't always performed as well as you would thought you would think because they've won." I think it's eleven in twenty four years, which is remarkable on its own. But then when you say, "Oh, but they've won this many regular season championships and haven't always won the conference title," again, I I still think it's even remarkable that you'd win eleven of twenty four. But Knowing that this year you maybe do have a little bit more motivation with a possible one seed in the NCAA tournament on the line, whereas some of those other years, I I remember having conversations headed into the week, like, does any of this even matter for KU? Do you think that could help them in, in this week's events? Well, we always create our own narrative, no matter what happens in the Big mm-hmm. 12. If we, lo- if we lose on Thursday, okay, it's great. We get to rest Dave and, you know, we'll be a two seed. But if we go on to win, that's what we wanted to do because that's why you come to Kansas City. So it doesn't really matter what happens because we're going to make it right for us, at least the way we look at it. I'm a, I'm a shared opinion with Bill. If you're going to be here, you might as well win it. And 11 or 24, like you stated, is a crazy number. But also what you stated was some people think that's not enough. And that shows you because we – we won 20 of 26 in the in the regular season championship. So the numbers are, are mind-boggling. 11 of 24, any other school in the country would, would give away a lot to, to have that crown. Um, I, I just think that we got to get better. This is an opportunity to get better. We need to figure some things out. We need to, you know, get a little better defensively and, and three games against teams that you know their tendencies and all that, but you can get better. And we need to do that. So uh, you get here, you try to win them all. All right, Greg, before we let you go, it's also the state tournament for high school basketball. I'm going to be heading down to Wichita uh, to cover the action for Free State on Thursday. You obviously have, have a, a nice little storied career in, in Kansas high school basketball history. You won the state championship at Shawnee Mission South. You hit the, the game-winning three. Uh, what are your favorite parts about, I guess, just, just playing in this event, playing in the high school state tournament? What makes it such a – a kind of cool uh, ordeal. Ultimate goal when you're in high school is to get to the state tournament and, and do well. And so uh, we were able to do that. Uh, I loved the atmosphere. I love the, you know, the sub state. I don't necessarily love the way they do that, but you know, you, it, it, the way they used to do it was we were the number one seed in the state and we would play against blue Valley North and they were the number two and that's in sub state, which I don't know if they've changed that since then. That was one kind of screwy thing, but if you got out of your sub state, you're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're pretty darn good. We can, we can do this. And so, uh, Emporia, Kansas had a, an awesome atmosphere mainly because of our fan base that showed up and, uh, one of my greatest memories of all time. And it's, it, you know, here I am at 49 years old, still talking about what happened in 1990 and 1991. So that tells you how special it was. And for these kids that are getting ready to go into it for the majority of the kids, this is going to be it. 
know, this is the the culmination of all their hard work because very few people go on to play in college, and and if they do, you'll, you're never going to have that type of atmosphere. So soak it in, enjoy it. Uh, some of the best friends you'll have the rest of your life. Still, guys that I talk to on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis. So uh, just soak it in, enjoy it, and have fun. He is Greg Gurley. You can hear him on the call tomorrow. Greg, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam Dravetta. All right, Greg, one last thing. I asked this to your buddy Haney last week. What is a better KU center court logo, the yellow map of Kansas from when you played, the white and blue map of Kansas with the red K in the middle of it toward the end of the Roy era, or the gigantic Jayhawk they have now? Well, I'm kind of partial to the way it was back when I played, but the current massive Jayhawk is is just cool. I mean, it's the best mascot in the country. That is true. And I, I love the fact that it's it's massive. And, and as, as you go into our locker room now, you can see the court with the way the Jayhawk used to be at center court, which is about, I don't know, five feet in diameter. Now I just love the bold. I love the colors. So I'd say the current way is the best way. There you go. All right. He's Greg Gurley. Greg, appreciate the time. For sure. Anytime. See you guys. All right. That's Greg Gurley. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravet. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.